the, the, the Boga Honey Podcast. That's why I, I tried not to have camps on my bow. I don't have to deal with slippage or anything Shut like that. Up. You just put a new string on there, you're fine. What is Boga? But seriously, that's the dumbest thing ever. It, it go, I am all about Just strap it to your pack. Really appreciate the fact that you're from Michigan and not Georgia. So you don't want to be the next Mark Kenyon. No. I'm a shit show. <laughs> that's, that spot's taken. You can see how pathetic Jared's face is right now. <laughs> because that's how it looked. It was just like, is this good enough? Before we jump into this episode, we have to thank a few of our partners that help make this podcast possible. First up is First Light. Great camo, fusion, cypher. You get to pick your option, or you can go that new ash gray color. Uh, they make fantastic merino. They make great stuff for elk hunting, great stuff for hunting down south, great stuff for deer hunting by us. Um, so we rock it all year long. We love it. Check it out at firstlight.com. If you guys are in search of a new pack, then you guys have to check out the Seek Outside Short Tail. It's designed to cover three main uses, which are the western big game hunts, it's tree sand friendly, and it's great for backpacking long trails. And it can pack out close to 200 pounds. You could carry out a Jared. You can carry out one of me if you use want. The, use the promo code BOGA, all caps, for 5% off your order. Jared's sold separately. If you're looking to get into the tree saddle game this year, then you guys need to check out Trophy Line. These guys have been around since the 1960s, and they've been doing it ever since. We're going to be rocking their Ambush Light tree saddles this year. They're lightweight, they're comfy, and they're extremely easy to use for that beginner. Head over to their website and use the promo code BOGAHUNTING10 for 10% off your order. If you're looking for a quality, handmade, top-of-the-line traditional bow, look no further than Bivouac Bow Company. Jim and Georgia there are excellent boyers, handmade, custom. They are precise, and they make fantastic shooting bows. If you're looking for a great bow, check them out, bivouacbowco.com. So if you guys are like me and you find that buying new arrows can be completely cumbersome and annoying where you have to go to the bow shop and have them cut your arrows and glue in the inserts, then you guys need to check out Vector Custom Shop. All of their arrows are purpose-built, meaning they're going to take your draw weight, your draw length, and a bunch of other specs that you want, and they're going to actually make the arrow for you and then send it to you. And they have direct-to-consumer prices. So check these guys out, VectorCustomShop.com. There are a lot of good apps out there, but if you're a hunter and you're looking for a do-it-all app, check out HuntWise. First of all, they have GPS software that tells you where you are, where boundaries are. You can share locations. But it's also a, a community of hunters where you can all share what you're experiencing. We'll post there pretty regularly. Actually, that is where I have my only social media account. So if you want to see what's going on in my mind, go to HuntWise and check us out. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us for another episode of the Boga Hunting Podcast. This week, we have Jim and Georgia from Bivouac Bow Co. Guys, how are you? Good, thanks. Yeah, pretty good. Good. Thanks for joining us. You guys are up in northern Michigan? Oh, yeah. Just uh, about a half hour south of Cadillac. Okay. Yeah, we, we visited you guys a couple months back, which was just a blast uh, seeing how you pick wood and, and how you, the machines you guys use and, and learning a little bit about your background. So I thought, man, it'd be great to have you on the podcast. And of course, I shoot the backland bow, which I've been uh, absolutely loving this year. Good, good, good. 
Yeah. Yeah. Backland's going well. It's got a lot of traction. Got the left-handers in there for everybody left-handed, so that a bit of a wait for the uh, the fixture to be done. We're good to go. Yeah. They're in uh, they're in Cerakote right now. Oh, nice. Yeah, very good. No, they've turned out great. I got uh, the camo limb option with the uh, kind of brown riser, which is pretty sweet looking. So it shoots well. Uh, probably, yeah, it is my favorite bow I've, I've had so far. So for people who listen and, and like ILF bows, check that one out. It's, it's, it's awesome. Um, Jim, you've yep. been doing this for a long time. You, you want to give us a little background about, you know, how you got into archery, where you come from and, and you know, uh, like your expertise? Well, I've been in archery 60 years. I don't remember starting. It's more what my dad told me when I was a little kid, because I, he said I had my first bow when I was three. So I, I really mm-hmm. don't remember much until I was probably 10 or 12 before I really have a lot of solid memory. But I think that's true for most people, no matter what you're doing. Yeah. Did a lot of tournament archery in England. I do remember going on my last deer hunt with my dad when I was about nine, because they hunting when I was eight in England yep. and nine scotland so i remember that and most of my time's been um well hanging around my dad's shop because my dad started building bows in 1964 okay I, the, the hill style bows because he couldn't he couldn't buy one in england so he got with an archery manufacturer in england and he started bows then so uh i was in the shop most of the time i thought it was way uh but right uh, you know like you, know, you do and plus you're working with your dad and uh, your dad's not getting uh, a little harsh on the kids anyway. You know, so. Yeah. So that's how I started. When I got here, I just continued it, really. Yeah, You. so you've been doing this for a long time. Actually, going back uh, hunting in, in England, I mean, you remember you said when you were nine doing it. What, what was that type of hunt? What, what does that look like? I don't remember deer hunting in England. We went to Scotland. Oh, Scotland, sorry. Yep. No, we but they banned deer hunting in England when I was eight, but I don't ever remember my dad hunting deer in England. I don't ever okay. having that opportunity, but Scotland, you had an opportunity. There was more red deer, bigger herds. We were just spot and stalk in the pretty thick. I remember missing a pretty nice tag out there. That's that's the only time I <laughs> really. It's funny that that's what sticks with you a long time. I, I feel like the, the misses do so, and I got a lot of them. So I feel like I got a lot of memories building up. I can pretty remember every miss I've had. <laughs> The uh, anti-hunting gang, they managed to take hunting away from the small amount of deer hunters, archery hunters in England then. They managed to get their way, you know. It yeah. Was pretty disappointing, really. So but you, uh, I, I grew up not knowing that, you see. Yeah, and, and, and so you basically, you, you were born and raised in northern England. You, you know, from what I've seen, you moved then, it was it to Australia and New, Zing, uh, New Zealand for a while in your 20s, is that right? New Zealand first, and then on, then I just spent a few months in Australia. I lived in Sydney quite a few months. Went out in the bush hunting with the. Uh, I joined an archery club in Sydney, and we went out hunting out in the edge of the arc for goats and pigs. But I've been hunting for the last year in New Zealand. Okay. And, uh, I was on my way back to New Zealand when I came here. I, a friend of mine I met in the eighties at a Howard Hill Invitational shoot invited me. He says you can't be a deer hunting unless you've shot a white-tailed deer in North America. I said okay, I'll, I'll I'll slide in on the way on the way back to New Zealand. And the funny thing is, I came into the customs people, and, and then the there were no um, not, uh, homeland security; it was just customs. Right. And they, I always ask you the question: So, what is your purpose of coming to the United States? <laughs> well, I've actually come to hunt deer with a bow and arrow with a friend of mine. Oh, he said you better have six months here then. So, I, <laughs> so he, than I did at the time. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's your first at deer advice from the customs guy. Yeah, that was it, you know. So, and he was right, man. They were they were totally different hunting experience from what I was used to in England. We did still did here, although you know, it was a little bit, but it was always spotting stock. Sitting in Australia, New Zealand, all spotting stock, ground blinds. You'll set up an ambush off the ground. Yeah, right. So in here, starting to learn to shoot out of trees was was the first one was especially with a. 66 inch longbow that was interesting yeah not easy and the first tree stands were fit in the crotch of a tree right or the uh, the baker deadly baker tree stand, <laughs> climbing tree that was another interesting thing to learn so yeah it was pretty interesting to learn how to hunt uh well fit out the white tail yeah i'm looking up the uh, baker climbing tree stand that looks like an interesting uh design there that can't be the most safe thing Danger i've ever map. seen it was danger maps. <laughs> no, it's it's funny, you know, and, and that was one thing, you know, when I, when I had visited you, visited you in the shop, we had talked about, you know, I, I shoot out of that saddle and finding something that uh, a bow that's short enough to, to be able to maneuver a little bit. I and mean, it's not like you, you can't with a longer bow. Last year I had a 60-some inch bow, but you and I kind of looked at what I was hoping to do, and you recommended that backland that's the shortest one. I, it, was it like 54 inches? It's, it's pretty short. But it, what it gives you, I think, through your, you know, with the saddle, it gives you just that little bit more uh, confidence in your maneuverability around the tree. You're not trying to watch your bow as much. That was the whole idea. Yeah, you kind of focus a little bit better that way. I, I've liked it so far. I've been shooting out of the saddle. And I, even off the ground, it, it's a lot easier with, with short oh, limbs. Not giving anything up on that. We've tested all our limbs. And it doesn't matter whether we're shooting the 54-inch bow or the 60 bow. At nine grains a pound, we get 195, 28-inch. On all, all within a pound of each other, uh, foot, one feet a second of each other. So we're pretty happy with it. So, yeah, and that's actually a good thing to think about. So, like, you know, how are you, you know, you're, these are handmade bows. How are you able to, to come up with such a precise design where you can expect 195 on all of your bows at 28 inches. How, how do you get to that point? Well, we we measure everything in thousands. And we happen to have some machines that will taper exactly whatever the degree of taper we're using. If we're using a 2,000th taper, it will drop 2,000th taper for every running inch. Yeah. We, we can precisely grind 1,000th the bamboo we use. So uh, this is where the science part comes in. Uh, on bow making mm -hmm. it's a formula x amount you know the glass x amount of wood the length of the wet length of the and as you get that as tight as you can and once once you set off with that platform it certainly makes uh keeping your weights tight plus we we mark everything down so we have a formula for 27 28 30 inches just we just built a lot of them yeah, you know, we just hundreds and well thousands of them, thousands of limbs. So, oh, it's interesting. It's like you've got a, it's a mix between art and science. You know, there's like equations that go into it, but then you look at some of the bows you guys make, and it's just, I mean, they're more works of art. Um, and it's something you know, based on what you've told me in the past, you've done for a long time, thousands of bows you mentioned. But I mean, you've been part of a couple. Yeah, I would say what like 
five to eight companies in, in terms of making limbs for different groups from Hoyt to Baird or Matthews to Tribe Archery. I'm, I'm looking at your website right now. You, you've got a pretty extensive experience in building different bows. Right. I have bear archery. I've just advised on bear stuff, some materials they can find. Yeah. Uh, Hoyt. I, I still, I still work with Hoyt and I supply Hoyt with all their bamboo cores and their veneers for their, um, formula bows that's the target bows and their own bows yep and have done for the last i don't know five six years maybe seven years that we've uh, we've worked with weight we still do all the other people tribe yeah we built the limbs tribe archery instinct archery we did all the tomahawks for three pictures plus the das limb that's uh, yep. tim and on he goes from there work with bob morrison uh timber ghost a little bit uh fedora i've done a lot of work with a lot of people yeah, it's, it's interesting, and it's, I mean, it kind of shows in the in the, the bows that you make now. I mean, it, it clearly you've got a wealth of um, experience going into it. But for, for the people who are listening to the podcast and maybe don't know a lot, and I didn't as of that long ago, like, to explain the process that you showed me in, in terms of how you go about making a bow from locating the wood to shipping it off um, to, to the, the happy new owner. Well, it works a few different ways, you know. Uh, some people just call us and say, I like x bow whatever it is whether it's a long bore recurve uh, do whatever you like you know so we get one or two of them yeah normally if i get somebody that's they're saying what you know do what you think's best it's because they're a little confused on the amount of stuff that's out there sure so what we generally do is say you know what color schemes you've seen bows before do you like them when they're red in the handle or brown in the handle or black in the handle or you know we kind of try and figure out what appeals to people and then we'll start to slide into there. Then we can go up and start selecting our woods. Yeah. You know, you know, we have the rosewoods and sedua's and ebony's and curly maples. So we got and bubingas and we got such a wide range of wood that we've accumulated, which is what you have to do. Right. And then we try and match up the veneers. We, we use bamboo ninety nine percent for the core woods, and then we'll just do veneers. Why is that? Why use bamboo as uh, as opposed to other? It's like there's osage and other thing. I feel like I've, I've read. What, what's the, the benefit of a bamboo? Well, if you're making limbs out of osage, they tend to be a little stiff. Okay. Maple is a good wood. Again, it tends to gain the poundage a little bit. You know, it'll start half a pound an inch more than bamboo will. Bamboo returns good, lightweight. It kind of takes a lot of boxes. And especially the um, architectural grade of stuff we're we're getting out of uh, it comes in from Oregon, very very constant, and we've tried a lot in these uh, this guy. Yeah. It, it performs the it perform it performs the best consistently. Okay. You know you you can get Osage and some of it depending whether you're using quarters whether you're using but this stuff is just so consistent every time, and it has the so we just that's what we use. Still experiment too, you know. But. Sure, well, and it seems like the name of the game. I mean, you for accuracy is just consistency in the materials, right? I mean, it seems like that's what translates ultimately with how well a bow shoots. Right. So, so you come to me, and I, I, I have you shoot a bow in the shop. I want to be able to have that same performance when your bow turns up, and 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 that's what you're expecting too. No, it was funny. I mean, you and I got together and shot in the, the, your shop for a while, and. 
tried all the bows and it was it was funny the, the moment I had the right one the one that kind of fit me well it was just it felt right in the hand it shot well and I remember looking at you thinking like this is definitely you know definitely the one that I, I want to go with and it's funny because it's it's the ILF it's the metal riser for, for you know like I said for people who are newer to to traditional archery when they're looking at you know, first of all, maybe we should explain what ILF is, um, and then maybe talk about a little bit of the differences between, you know, a totally wood bow and one that has, you know, a, a metal riser. ILF is, an, it just, ILF started with a guy called Earl Hoyt Jr., and he never called it ILF. He called it the Dovetail Alignment System. Somebody else, and I have no idea who named it, and I believe he's probably a target archer sure. somewhere that named it the International Olympic. And it was a target bow, purely a target bow for a long time. And then a guy called David Allen Sosa, which everybody knows as Das, yep. and that's where Das comes from, uh, he decided he was going to build a hunting rise and put these target limp, and that's where the ILF hunting systems kind of took off. I'm not saying nobody did it before him, but he's the one that kind of spearheaded it and, and made it what we're seeing today. Right. And Three Rivers are still selling his designs as the, as the Das stuff. Well, and it's interesting because it's really the idea is this bow. It's a three-piece bow, right? So you can you can pop the limbs off and switch different poundages if you like. You know, if you're shooting competition in the off season and you want to go to something different when you hunt, or as is the case, really for me is I, I just shoot one pair of limbs. I'm not switching between poundages or anything. And so the benefit for me for it to come to take apart is I can throw it in my backpack if you know if I if I'm going on a long trip or. If I'm backpacking farther in and I just need space or, or whatever, I can pop those limbs down. And I mean, at the end of the day, it's like a not even two foot section of, you know, combined stuff that I can throw in my pack, which is like, like you've written on your website and we've talked about in the past, but it's just, it's easy to haul around that way. It's exactly, it's just a different way to make a three piece takedown. You know, it tends to get, tend to get a little bit confused about it because uh, they're told all this stuff they can do with it. But it basically, it's just another way of making it. As we've set, you know, you've set yours up that you don't need tools to pull it apart in the field. Yeah. Once you, uh, ours is a little simpler than a lot of them. We don't need, we don't put linear adjustment in it. So um, we keep it slim. We don't like the big clunky heavy riser. So we yeah. made it a, a little simpler version of the ILF. But what happens with your metal riser, because it's so tough, you make it kind of a little skinnier and you can cut it past center. Yep. And Put an adjuster in there so you can adjust to whatever skinny arrows, fat arrows, maybe a little stiffer than what you want. You can then you've got you can adjust that and, and tune your arrows in too. So that that's a big deal. Plus with a metal one, no problem. You can put a elevated rest on there. Yeah, and you can screw holes in and put stabilizers on a lot easier than you can do with a wood handle. You know, it's, it's that simple with especially with the ILF stuff. You know? Yeah. Well, and I I'm throwing elevated. I just I'm trying an elevated rest this year and what's beautiful about it is it goes right around the plunger that you've got you can back that plunger all the way out so it's flush with or not plunger whatever the thing's called uh flush with the, the riser and but you can micro tune it with that you know screwing it in or out so it's pushing the arrow farther away for the riser or, or closer in right and it gives you uh you know a lot of people now are, are, are you know we're, we're a lot more educated than we were when bear archery was we got stuff that Red Bear, Red Bear be shooting on that. I know that, but he would be on top of what was going on today. He would be shooting carbon arrows. He would be screwing arrows, screwing broadheads. That's the way the guy was, you know. Right. We're super aware of uh, tuning arrows in, 
FOC, what you've got there with your plunger, talking about a spring vest, is tunability again. You've just you've just made it even more tighter to be able to get your arrow shooting down the middle. Yeah. And, and you know, you're going to get people say, oh, well, you don't need to do that. Well, correct. You don't need to do that. But if you do that, you've just taken away some of the stuff that goes wrong for you. You do a lot of confidence. You know, there's a lot more to it than just, you know, people tinkering. Well, and it's funny you mention that because this is coming into the traditional archery world. I was not aware of all the rules, written and unwritten, that some people <laughs> adhere to and they impose on you where it's like, well, this is not traditional archery. If you use a stabilizer or if you use an elevated rest or you shoot three under or you split th- shoot a split finger. And there are, and I mean, there were, you know, dozens of things where if you were to go on and post on a, uh, certain forums, you're going to get just people, especially the old timers, no offense, Jim, uh, where they're like, you know, that's not trad. I would, why, why do you want that? And I've even had that in local shops where I've been like, hey, I just need a, a, an elevated rest. What do you need that for? Well, you know, I, I want to try it this year. Well, you know, you can shoot off the, you don't, you don't need that. You can shoot off the shelf. Well, I want to try it. Well, you know, and they're trying to talk me out of it. I'm like, I just want to try it. You know, just let me, it's, it's, you know, still at the end of the day, I'm trying to buy something from you. <laughs> um, have do you guys see that a lot in the, the archery world where it's like, there's, there's people that it seems like it sucks some of the fun out of it. it it's been there since I was a kid, same stuff, same stuff keeps coming up. I don't think I'm, I'm probably old, but I don't think I'm old thinking. Sure. I like with the times. Uh, the trad police are as annoying to me as they are to everybody else. Uh, the forums. Uh, one, one thing about the forums that really bothers me. Yeah. You've got a new guy comes in and he's probably been shooting the full boat, everything. Yep. The, let's call it a Matthews bulb for one of anything. And he's got the trigger. He's got the sights. He's got a mechanical broadhead and everything. And he's decided to go simple. So he goes on a forum and he says, you know, I'm really looking at a broadhead I'm looking for. And boy, these guys jump on him. And oh, we've, we've done that. You know, if you've got nothing good to say, move on. Don't even click on it. Why do you click on it? Why do you even make a, here's, here's a young guy that's trying to find his way. And and there you are. You're you're a, an old hand like myself. You should be <laughs> you should be leading him. You shouldn't be jumping on him. Come on. Yeah, you guide know? him a little bit. It really bothers me. It really just irks me. So I don't go on a lot of the forums for that reason. Well, and that's <laughs> what I appreciated coming out to you. You know, I'm I'm still relatively new. This is going into year three. So I, I'm hardly uh, an experienced uh, traditional archery guy. So I went to you, and I'm like, well, you know. I know, and I kept saying, well, I know that this is, you know, maybe not how everybody shoots or whatever. And you kept just laughing and like, well, whatever works for you, you know. And, and again, there's, there's some, you know, technique that you need to follow to be consistent and, and certain things that help. But at the end of the day, my one of the, the things that kind of drew me to you guys where you just kept saying, well, just have fun with it. Archery is supposed to be fun. It's not supposed to be something they, they beat you over the head about and you're always worried about doing the wrong thing. There's plenty of that in life anyways. Right. It gets you out. Archery is supposed to take you away from that, you know. Yeah, just shooting golf balls in your backyard doesn't matter what you're doing. Just have some fun with it. You're going to shoot more arrows at the golf ball than you ever will sitting in a tree stand. Exactly. Uh, you said you mentioned that when I was with you, and that kind of was like, oh yeah. And I think that's why I like traditional archery because it's so fun to shoot over and over. You, you don't get so tired as much you get used to the bow and everything. You can just keep shooting and shooting and shooting. Hey, we wanted to take a quick break here from the conversation to thank a couple of our sponsors who helped make this show possible. 
One of the reasons why James and I love hunting so much is because we get to share our wild game with other people. But we need to be able to do it that's easy and reliable every time. Gorilla Grills is a local company here in West Michigan based in Holland. One of the great things about them is they ship the grill directly to you. There's no middleman, no big box store, so they're able to make a superior product at a better price point. The food and the smoke quality that's coming off this grill is unbelievable. We've received so many compliments on it already. So if you guys want to find out more about what Mark and his team are doing over there, head over to GorillaGrills.com to order your new grill. Now a proud partner of Boga Hunting, the American-owned, veteran-owned, Wisconsin-based Vortec Optics Company designs, engineers, produces, and distributes a complete line of premium sport optics, accessories, and apparel. Dedicated to providing unrivaled customer service and exceptional quality, Vortex backs its products with an unconditional transferable lifetime VIP warranty. So if you guys want a glass with the best, head over to VortexOptics.com and use promo code BOGA20 for 20% off. Thanks for listening, and let's jump back in. But it's a family sport, too. Yeah. You can take the wife and kids with you if they want to shoot, too. It's not. And everybody's got the same advantage, especially if you want to call trad gear. Yeah, it's always been good to me. I'm not a traditional guy but i have never shot anything else but yeah so i i I just consider myself an archer you know and i think you're a bow hunter and maybe you're a compound bow hunter maybe you're a longbow bow hunter maybe you're a recurve bow hunter it is what it is yeah i don't really try and get under any banner myself i'm just not one of those guys no i'm with you and it's it's funny okay so jared actually not with us today compound guy i'm you know a traditional guy and i've not only traditional, but I've switched back and forth between longbow and recurve, which, for people who don't know, there is even a, a schism in uh, the archery community between longbows and recurves, where somebody's like, well, that's not, you know, recurve's not traditional, or longbow, that's the only thing, or, or whatever. And so there's a lot of it, but, you know, Jim, like you say, it's, it's not necessary, and it really detracts from the experience, and it detracts from the future. You know, if, if you mention, like you mentioned, someone, some young guy is looking to get into archery, you know, myself included, uh, traditional archery, and you want your your sport to not go away, well, then you should get out there and, and encourage that, that guy. Give him actually useful advice. Point him to, to helpful things. And we try to do that a little bit at, here at Boga Hunting, and, and part of it is bringing guys like you on, Jim, that just can clarify and, and be points of reference. So if people have questions for us, we can just say, you know, go talk to Jim. He, he's, he's the guy, or Georgia. Actually, Georgia, you've been quiet. That's just how I am. <laughs> <laughs> now, Georgia, you have an interesting story. Explain how you got involved with Jim and how you got involved with Bivouac Boco. Late, I used to work the night shift for a school district, and I was on Craigslist, and I just happened to respond to an ad for that a bow maker. I, I didn't know at the time what the heck it was, or <laughs> it just had to have woodworking skills, and I had a little bit. Yeah. So I just responded, and I got an interview, and just went from there guess <laughs> so you just blindly were like ah i'll try this it's uh you had you had bow hunted before it sounds like i was a compound i wasn't very good at it and my family didn't really ever do the bow hunting thing so i had to kind of pick it up on my own oh wow a little bit of a learning curve i guess yeah and jim what was what was, you know i gotta ask what was it about georgia that you're like i need to hire her she's you know she's my partner in this well it was it was belcher bows at the time yeah and 
she never told me what, how good she was at doing stuff. Uh-huh. I like when I when I interview people to work for me, I want them to well do whatever you want. Yeah, I'll have, you know, I'll try everything. You know, it was that kind of a thing. I want, I'll try. Yep, no problem. I haven't done that before, but I'm willing to learn. Yep. She was right. Yeah, she was right. That was how long is that since Georgia? Six years ago? Six years? Six years back. That's pretty incredible. It's good good to have a good partner. And, and Jared tells me all the time how great of a partner I am. He's not here, so I can say those kind of things. It's it's key. <laughs> to carry on with that, so, and I always joke she's the best guy that ever worked for me, you know, because yeah. I had other guys work for me. She picked up the trade very quickly. She did. Yeah. And understood the formulas, which a lot of guys don't get the formulas and, and how stuff works. I guess she was interested, where a lot of guys were more interested in having a job than they were in the trade. Know, so it, it was more than a job for her, yeah. and she's at it. She just gets better and better, and she's a pretty good shot now. And she make she makes a lot of bows herself, you know. Yeah, um, over over five six years, you've got to be a part of a lot of bows, a lot more than most people who have been hunting their entire lives. Pretty fortunate, I guess. Yeah, yeah she's probably involved in we racked five thousand bows in the last six years. That's yeah. incredible, and you you made my bow. Actually, I have to ask, which one of you spent more time on the bow that I'm shooting? Oh, I did. It. I didn't touch you. <laughs> wow, there we go. That's that explains why it's such a good shooter, right there, Georgia. <laughs> yeah, I didn't actually touch that. Well, I think all the parts together on the metal handle. I think that would. Okay. No, I like that. No, you you mentioned when you were kind of you guys first came in contact. It was Belcher Bow, which is your last name, Jim. How, when did you decide to do bivouac? Like, what was the, what what pushed you in that direction? Well, uh, it got to the point where it was very expensive to be in the town we were in we were working for everybody else we were making all the best made longbows all the three rivers and we and true we're making shrews were wrongly clear at that time too so we weren't doing our own stuff and we needed to get out of town so we just started looking around for for properties and we started actually starting all gray and worked our way around we uh i know the guy won't darten so we looked around hill yeah and Went up to Gaylord because I know a guy that uh, makes all the parts for, for archery stuff up there. Even the little things for bear archery takedowns, he makes them up there. Okay. Just looking around where archery people were, and we couldn't, just couldn't find what we're looking for. And then I remember Oneida was over here. Another oh, yeah. Yep. Another big company called Boning, yep. which are 25 minutes north of where we are. And looked around and found that building. So we moved the building, and we decided we wanted to just concentrate our stuff. Uh, we still do work for Hoyt and a few other people on the side for parts. She, I took George on as a partner in the business. Well, she doesn't want to be Belcher Bowles when I'm gone. Right. So just a matter of uh, changing the name right then. to Instead of we're just working for me, now we're business partners. Bivouac was simple. It's a simple shelter, simple archery, which you're into, just simple. Yeah. Just keep bought. We want them to shoot. So our big thing is performance mm-hmm. and simple. That's what we, we, we like them to shoot. We're, we're, we chase the speed, the, the chronograph speed, which I know a lot of people said it's not necessary, but it's the only way that you can calculate efficiency. There's no other way. Right. If you want kinetic energy, you still have to find velocity. If you want uh, inertia, you still have to find your velocity. It's still all part of the equation. So we like to strive for that because gives you an efficient bow then you know you can use that speed you can shoot a light arrow fast and shoot a heavy arrow fast you know yeah 
Well, and you get a lot of kinetic energy with a heavy arrow and a fast bow. And and it's it would be one thing if it was, you know, and, and I remember growing up shooting compounds that were just speed bows and nothing else. But And, and they were harsh on your shoulder. They were hard to, you know, low brace height, hard to aim. But with, with your bows, I mean, it, I, I feel like I've they feel smooth as well, which is critical, uh, at least for me. You know, obviously you want speed, but that, that smooth release, that easy shot it, it's it feels like you guys got that nailed down as well yeah we tried that we were just running the same test this morning we're building a new bow called oscar mike it's a little 56 inch 54 inch bow a lot of stuff we learned building through and the 56 bow is still pulling just over two pounds an inch that's what it's pulling. and that for people who aren't used to traditional archery two pounds in a uh, per inch that's that's pretty standard oh Three and a half to four, especially on a short bow like that. Yeah, yeah. Oscar Mike, I'm excited for that. You said they're shorter bows. Are they takedown? No, it's well, we can make it into a two piece takedown too. Yeah, but it's a long. Yeah, it's just for people on the move. That's what it means. I like that. Well, yeah. So you guys, you know, you started a company. You guys have been around for a, a few years now. How are things going? How, how's the industry looking? How are you feeling about traditional archery? Yeah, I we're, we got stuff to do every day. So I mean, I going okay for us i see a lot more people dabbling in traditional archery for one of a better word yeah especially people from probably were compound shooters bought a crossbow uh, decided to miss shooting the bow but they got the accuracy of the crossbow hey let's try something else you know or you've got uh, you know we've got people like aaron schneider that's you know i know a lot of people who who him but you know man he is he is great he he doesn't, he's open to everything. He tries everything. He tries new stuff. He's, he's using the new gear. The, you know, he's, he's turning a lot of people that used to look into traditional archery that had the foreign police on them. Yeah. And ain't platted, ain't trad kind of thing. You right. Know? We are seeing more of that too. And we're seeing more. This is probably the most people I've seen under the age of 40 coming into the sport for a long time. What, what, what do you attribute that to? Is it. Guys like Aaron Snyder, is it? I think Red Eichler started it. Schneider, you know, making it a little bit fun. You know, Fred's Fred's always fun to talk to because you yeah. never know what Fred's going to say. <laughs> it's true. That was worth the price of admission is that guy, you know? Yeah, he's always, I mean, we've had him on twice. He's just full of stories. And I feel like that guy is, must be sipping on Mountain Dew all the time because he's got energy like you. I can't believe. Well, I've known him for 15 years and he's never changed. Really? I remember, well, I can tell you one story about Fred. We're in the ATA show. I'm going to check out. I open the thing, door opens. It's Fred and Michelle in the in the elevator. So I jump in the elevator, and Fred's he's wound already. Yeah. Uh, and she's sitting there, stay, uh, standing there saying nothing. And we get into the foyer, and I says to her, did he like this? And she says, he's tiring. <laughs> <laughs> that in the morning man he's just like that all the time that's fun well, that's why he's such an engaging kind of a, like he tracks people to him because he's just full of energy and life and he's exciting to be around yeah not so you've got those instead of you know some of the the uh, stodgy you know again if they imply the danger you're asking that stupid question again about the broadheads you know you just can't have there's a lot of that's happened for a lot of time it's put a lot of people off yeah but then you somebody like uh like aaron schneider He's trying whatever the latest arrows are. He's in whatever yeah. the latest in. He's gonna try everybody's broadheads. He'll try everybody's bows. He's just not. He's not tied, and he's not. He's not closed-minded, and I think that's what's helped a lot of the younger guys because they'll do what you did. You go to the. Why the hell do you want that? You know. Yeah. Because <laughs> you know? I want to try it, man. You know. Yeah. 
I think that's happened for a long time, and now it's not happening as much, yeah. which is great. No, I like that, and it's it's interesting. Yeah, we we've had Aaron on, and he's like like you said, he's a great advocate. You know, he I can see people give him a hard time for for various things about him, but uh, you know, from from what we saw, not only was he a, a great guest, but he was a pretty gracious guest. We talked about it on the podcast before, but we've recorded with Aaron more than more than once, uh, a couple times, because uh, one of the times we got a an hour and a half episode or so done, and I didn't hit record. So we had an entire, we just chatted for an hour and a half, which was, you know, and he was willing to come back on. I felt horrible, but, you know, good to have guys like that out there. Um, you know, obviously he's very blunt and, and, and everything, and sometimes that rubs people the wrong way, but I, I only have good things to say about him. He, he was great with us. Yep, me too. Any dealings I've had with him, he's been straightforward. Blunt is what I like. Yeah. That's what I like. That's probably the thing I like him about, I like him the best. He's just shoots from the hip, man. He is what it is. Yeah, well, and you never have to wonder, what is he actually thinking? You know, and there's a plenty of people like that in the world where you're like, ah, they say this, but what do they actually mean? And, and that gets tiring after a while. So it's, it's good to see that, and that's, I think that's a big reason why we're seeing more people kind of dipping their feet in yeah. kind of forward, you know? Well, I got to think, too, social media, whether you love it or you hate it, it has to have some place there because, you know, I don't know, it's not, there's like almost nothing takes a picture as well as a nice wood bow. You know, with some crisp arrows hanging from a tree or whatever, I feel like it just looks good. And I, I have a feeling there are people out there that just are drawn to the beauty of, of the tool itself. Yeah, that's probably true. And with the, with the like you say, in the social media and the Internet stuff, you can go and dig around and find the adventure Red Bear and find adventures of Howard Hill. Yep. And even though you're a 20-year-old a 20 20 now, you still watch the movies of Fred Bear you vision yourself with a recurve in the Yukon sneaking around trying to shoot at the bear. You, you just do. You yeah. Know? And I, it's timeless is that stuff. Yeah. I, I think you're right on the internet. It's made it a lot more available. It has, it's made it a lot more, you know, a lot more information is available. Yeah. Well, and it's also just highlighting the romantic part of hunting. You know, you, you've got this wood bow, you're out there in the, you know, the beauty of nature. Um, it's something, so I've been reading um, some of Teddy Roosevelt's books on hunting and something he does so well. And I feel like anybody, you know, I was actually reading the the, cur- the reviews of the book at the time when it came out. And they were saying basically that, you know, Teddy Roosevelt paints such a, you know, beautiful picture and such a well, such a great author that even non-hunters can appreciate what's going on out in the woods with these guys who are, you know, hunting on the great plains or, or whatever. And I think that's, I mean, that, there's almost nothing better for the sport or whatever you want to call bow hunting uh, than just somebody who tells a good story who, you know, who describes it well and kind of paints the romantic na- part of hunting, which is attractive to, I think most people that are, that are out there. Yeah. I, I, and especially in the high tech world that everybody's living, you know, hundred mile an hour world too. You know, it's, it, it gives them an escape. Yeah. Slower, simpler, I mean, stick, string, and, and a, an arrow, and I mean, I, I've I've added a few things. I got the clicker on now, and I've got a you know an elevated rest, but not much more than that on that bow. It's it's mostly just like you're out there, you and the bow, which is cool. Uh, yeah, and you add what you need, you yeah. know, and that. Yeah, I just I'm not a yeah the trap police. It's annoying. <laughs> oh yeah, and I got I got the business for the uh, clicker too. For and for people who don't listen, it's basically a thing that attaches to your limb uh, and attaches to your string, and so once you hit. Basically, on a compound, you pull it back, and you've got a, a draw stop, right? So you can't draw past whatever your draw length is. With a recurve or a longbow, I mean, you can, whether you're a 30-inch draw or a 26-inch draw, you can use the, 
usually the same bow and you just pull back as far as you want well to keep it consistent some people have used this clicker so it's you know as you, once you hit a certain point of draw it you know it pulls out a little thing that clicks and and so that kind of tells me all right you've hit your draw your your draw stop basically and uh, that's that's also actually a trigger for me to shoot so once i hear the click i'm i'm that arrow's gone and so like you said i mean it's not for everybody some people don't like it a lot of people don't like it um there's different types of psycho triggers like that on uh, you can have one on your the handle itself and some people just go like jared when he shot traditional he had nothing on he just kind of went went by feel in the corner of his cheek so it's kind of up to you and that's that's the beauty of it as well yeah the clicker just gives you a constant draw length yeah. and uh, your draw length is how fast your bow is going to shoot you've got this arrow at this draw length you let it go it's that draw length the arrow shoots different whether yep. you're short uh, the idea of the clicker the target guys generally use the clicker as a draw check and not as a um, trigger to shoot. So yep. they shoot for different things too. It's <laughs> again, it's your time in the woods. It's your ticket to punch, man. You yep. do what you gotta do. Well, speaking of time in the woods, you guys got. I know you guys did some pig hunting this year, and I think you, Georgia, you mentioned you were doing some turkey hunting. You guys have any plans for the fall? I know you'll obviously be deer hunting up in uh, northern Michigan, but anything else? Yeah, we got all our stands out going to go down and uh, to the election we're going to go down to southern ohio and try our luck on the bigger ohio box we nice. can find them if they're going to cooperate then we're back up here going to hunt pretty hard around our neck of the woods this year we, well we got a place we're going to hunt down in fenton the first week yep got a night for the first week of fall uh, season yeah then the rest of it's going to be up here after that one we're going to spend maybe 10 days down in ohio Oh, that's that sounds amazing. Yeah, Ohio's been great. We've got a lot of friends down there, and they, they do really well. So it'll be exciting to follow you guys, and you know, bring in your bow. What what actually? I gotta ask, what bows are you guys gonna bring? What's your uh, what's your go to bow for this year? This year, we're both gonna shoot Union Jacks. Oh, really? Shoot, yeah, I'm shooting a 66 inch Union Jack, and George is shooting the 64. 64. Okay, those are sweet looking long bows, and that's named. Actually, you know what? To talk about the naming of that bow, there's there's some history there, right? Well, my dad started building that in 64. September 1964. I got the letters from uh, Marksman Archery when we're talking. My dad called it uh, Sagittarian because that's his uh, birth sign. But I called it Union Jack, Jack after my dad. My dad was Jack. You know, it's an English-made version of the American Longbow. And his name was Jack, so I just named it Union Jack. That's really. cool. That's really cool. That's a beautiful, beautiful bow. I think I was able to shoot it when I was with you guys, too. It shoots really well. We got uh, two or three reflex deflex. That's the straight end. That's the basic American longbow. The first bow that was ever fiberglass, that bow, ever. It, here in the 1936, the first fiberglass, and that was that bow. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Yeah, that's – and you can tell it kind of – it's got a very classic look to it. Well, you know – I, we're coming up on time, but I, I just really appreciate you guys coming on the podcast, uh, being willing to share your thoughts on traditional archery, you know, your history, uh, which is super interesting. But for, uh, you know, some of our listeners who want to know more, maybe want to check out your bows or have questions about traditional archery, because, you know, honestly, Jim, you and Georgia are going to be way better at answering questions than Jared and I ever will be. Um, so how, how can people get a hold of you? Yeah, just call us. Come up, visit. You know, we, we've had more people visit here than we ever had in Brighton, but uh, the shop number is, is on the website, bivouacboco.com. And it's anybody that's listening, it's 231-743-9711. We're there most of the time. Yeah. So if you're, you think you're out of hours, just give us a call. We'll gently pick it up. 
because we do shoot. We do go Wednesday nights. Like tonight, we'll be at the Harrison League, which is a trad league in Harrison. Yeah. So, but we do go out and about. We do shoot. You know, try and put three stands up and other stuff. You know. Well, excellent. Well, thank you again for coming on, and uh, you know, for everybody listening, go check these guy guys out. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Boga Hunting Podcast. If you guys like what you hear and want to follow along on what we're currently up to, hit that subscribe button on whatever platform you're listening on and follow us on Instagram at Boga Hunting. Join us next week, and we'll see you then.